A reading from the book of Psalm, chapter 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Our days may come to seventy years or eighty if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So I, uh, I have a friend who's a photographer, a videographer kind of guy, and he uh, said to me sometime back, you know, every, every photo you look at is uh, both the truth, it's the truth that the photographer or videographer wants you to see, it's also clearly a lie. And uh, it says things, but it doesn't say everything. And I wanted to, I want to show you a couple of, of uh, photos. We'll start off with that. Let's put this first one up. Now, that guy's having a bad day right there. Uh, you look at that, and it looks like he uh, fell off his bike, fell over a ledge, and uh, he's just able to grab his bike. But if you let your mind think for a minute, you go, so why is there a photographer there not helping him? And uh, how did that happen all so quickly? And then you realize, uh, if you turn that photo just a little bit, so we'll turn that, you see, oh, he's laying on the road. But the photographer decided to change the perspective of it, so you'd have this idea that he was hanging, and it'd be this dramatic photo. Not near as dramatic as you see a guy just laying in the road at the end of a long tunnel. Uh, I'll show you one of my other perspective photos that I really like. This is a comic strip. Uh, it's first a guy stranded on an island. He sees the guy in the boat, and he goes, boat, meaning I'm saved. And then you see the second thing, uh, and it's the guy in the boat going, land, I'm saved. <laughs> it's all perspective. Now, I started with those photos just to get you the idea of perspective. Perspective really is everything. It really is the thing that if you don't have the right perspective, if you don't look at things the right way, you draw the wrong conclusions almost every single time. It's important to have perspective and to have the right perspective or you, you miss out on what life's about. And that's why I put this other object here, uh, not just photos. I put this. This is not here because the old guy can't get off stage in time. That's not why that's here. And they thought, well, the little digital clock doesn't work. We'll give him an hourglass, something he understands. It's not about that. This is just about time. From the moment you're old enough to begin to understand that your parents, adults, start trying to teach you how to tell time. What, what is time? How to understand time? And how to tell time on a clock? Because time, well, it's just everything. And you, you try to go through your life, and you don't want to waste any time. But when you get to be older, you realize no matter how many shortcuts you take, you can't save any time either. You can invest time, but you can't make time. And what, what is time? It's, it's 60 seconds, and then that 60 seconds becomes a minute, and then 60 minutes becomes an hour, and 24 hours becomes a day, and seven days becomes a week, and then eventually you get a year. And at the end of that, you, hopefully you get another year, and eventually 
Well, you get a life. And what's a life? Well, life is just it's accumulation of all the time you get. It's just all the time that happened between the moment you began sucking air in the planet and the moment that you don't anymore. But many of us here who, and this isn't an old people problem or a young people problem, it's a people problem. Life before too long, it doesn't take too long that life just becomes, it begins to feel like a little bit of, uh, you know, same old, same old. It's just one day after another. It's just one year after another. It's just another hour after another. It just begins to click on after another. And you, you've done some great things in life, and you try to find some excitement in life, and you try to have some good times in life, and everybody's experienced some both disappointments and some things you're excited about because you know you want to make the most of your time because your time, well, your time is your life. And the big question most of us have Really, whether you're young or old, because I can remember being young and thinking, I wonder, I wonder how much time I'm going to get. <laughs> how much time will I get? And I want to make sure I make the most of my time, and then you get to be my time, and it's not how much time I'll get. You think, how much time do I have left? <laughs> how much time do I have left? I think, you know, these days, because I'm near retirement, I think, how many more times will I get to stand up here? How many time, more times Will you get to do what you do? And the real question in all of that is not how much time did I get, but what did I do with the time I was given? Did I make anything out of the time that I have? Is there a way that I should be using my time, that I can make a difference for me now, and that when my time is up, no one will think I just wasted my time? And that's what I want to think with you about today. I forgot again. I, my name is Ed. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Christian. And uh, I'm really glad you guys came to be here. We're in, in this series on wisdom. And, you know, it says on the screen, uh, Proverbs, I, I have to admit to you, you noticed when the scripture is reading, I'm cheating today. I'm not taking a verse from Proverbs. Uh, I'm taking one of the verses from another wisdom literature. And this is really... If I thought that you remembered what I talked about last week, I'd say this was a series, but it's, this is just builds on that in my mind. I get that you don't remember. But this is about time and how you make the most of your one and only life. And last week it was you, you only get one day at a time, and you've got you to gotta buy into that Jesus is the source of life every day at a time. Well, today, I want to read some other wisdom to you, and I want us to focus on it. You've already heard it. And most of the people, when they think about Psalms, they think, well, that's all... You know, it's the book of David. We talk about it being David, but this psalm's not David. This is another unique thing about it. It's not written by him. It's written by another guy you know. In fact, this guy is so important that three of the major world religions called, call this guy a part of their patriarchy. He's, he's a guy named Moses. And Moses is such a great person that, again, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all refer to, you know, Moses as a part of their lineage. And He's that little boy that if you know the story or you've seen one of the movies made about his life that he gets born when a time when all the Hebrew babies are being put to death and he gets saved out of the river by an Egyptian princess and he gets taken into the, the palace and he gets raised as an Egyptian prince and he, all he knows is what it's the wealth of the, of the castle, of what it's like to be the son of a king. 
But he begins to notice he doesn't look like the other Egyptians. He's, he's a different race, and he notices that everybody that looks like him, they're slaves. And over time, he begins to feel for the people that are like him. And so one day, he sees one of the Egyptians mistreating somebody that looks like him, and he stands up for them, and he winds up murdering the guy. And then all the people who don't look like him, the Egyptians, turn on him, and he has to run for his life. And he winds up in the desert at 40 years old. All he's ever known is a palace. He's living in a desert. And he winds up getting a job working for a guy who he's just a shepherd in the middle of the desert. Not even a great place to be a shepherd. He's just a shepherd in the middle of the desert. And Moses gets a job tending his sheep. And eventually, because he's there for 40 years, he winds up marrying the shepherd's daughter. But for 40 years, he goes from being the prince to being a shepherd. And Moses' life just becomes what so many of you think your life is like. I get up in the morning... And if the sun's up, I'm with the sheep. And if the sun's down, I'm sleeping with the sheep. And if the sun's up, I'm with the sheep. And if the sun's down, I'm sleeping with the sheep. Day after day after day after day until finally one day something different happens and God calls out to Moses. And he says, I haven't forgotten the people in Israel and I haven't forgotten you. It's 80 years, but your time, your life is not over. I actually do have a purpose for you. With all the time I'm giving you, I have something I prepared you for. So with all of that as a backdrop, I wanted you to hear who wrote this because, again, context, perspective, it's everything. This is a guy that we're going to listen to today, who's been at the lowest valley, back on top. He ends his life at top. And this psalm, we believe, is written right near the end of his life when he's taking a perspective on it like old people tend to do. And he writes this that you've just heard read by Molly on the screen. But it's in the context of everything you've heard about his life. And all our little time... All the little snippets and all the good moments and all the bad moments, all our 70 or 80 years they come to, they all fall within a context. And if you begin to look at your life from that context, you'll begin to discover you have a purpose for your life. There's always been there. From the time you were young to the moment you die, you discover there is this purpose for the time we spend in our life. But if you never, ever get that perspective in your life, if you never gain that perspective, eventually all your life will come to is you'll be asking, well, well what's the point? When you're young, you don't think much about the point of life because it just seems obvious. At 18 or 25, we are pretty sure we know the point. We are the point. The point of my life is me. Everything is about you. Your job, your relationship, your happiness. In fact, during the adolescent years, you haven't fully developed the part of your brain that could even consider things from another person's point of view. It's the only way you can see things. But as you get older, you start to realize other people exist, so I can't be the point. And it's freeing at first, but eventually without the right context, we begin to ask, is there a point to life? As we look to the future, we see everybody's kind of the same. 
We're born, we go to elementary school and high school, and we either get a job right away or go to college, and then in a few years, we all end up in the same spot. And then for some, it's about getting into a relationship. And some get married, and then some get married again. Some people have kids, and then those kids grow up, and then we play golf or buy a motorcycle. Then we get sick, and then we die. And no one exactly follows this pattern, but none of us are that unique either. And at some point, you notice that and you think, if that's how life works, what's the point? Now, if you believe in karma and reincarnation, then there's more bad news. You get to do all the pointless stuff again. And it's not like you do it much better because all you can seem to remember of the past life is being a medieval knight or something. But it's all kind of the same for everyone. And at some point you begin to realize, if I'm not the point, what is the point? And the reason we miss the point of life is because we don't understand the context our life exists in. You need a larger context for these minutes and hours and swiftly passing years God has given you. And in this Psalm, Moses gives us the context. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You wanna know the point of your life? then you have to understand that the bookends of your life aren't your birth and your death. The context for your life is the everlasting to everlasting God. The only way to have a point to your life that is bigger than you is for it to be rooted in the everlasting God who made you. Moses says, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals, which we all want to ignore, but it's true. No matter how cool you are, rich or popular you are, no matter what you have accomplished or how famous you are, in the end, we all return to the dust God made us from. Moses continues, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Here's an interesting fact. The ancient Hebrews would divide the night up into three or four periods to stand guard over the sheep. So a watch is like three or four hours. And Moses says, a thousand years for God is like three or four hours. Now, try and do the math on your 70 or 80 years from God's perspective. It's like a breath or a snap of the fingers, which doesn't feel encouraging, but it's so important. To get the context of life, you have to see the reality that is this. And if that's the case, then it's futile for you and me to try and create something meaningful on our own. We really don't have enough time. And this is what Moses points out throughout the rest of the psalm. Our only hope for purpose, our only hope for significance is to take the short years God has given us and to put them into the context of what God is up to in this eternity to eternity story. Now, if what Molly just said seems like uh, nonsense or you really didn't get it, that the perspective for every life is in the context of God. He was around before you and he'll be around after you in the whole context of your life, my life, that's like that. It's, it's found in, in his story. You aren't big enough to be the context of your story. I wasn't trying to teach you last week or today that you only live once, so go grab it. That's not the context. You aren't big enough. You aren't significant enough to be the context for you. And you know this. And if you can't see it yet, look, 
Just flip it around for a minute. Everybody in here knows somebody or you've seen somebody. Maybe you don't know somebody personally, but probably you know somebody personally. They might be sitting next to you, so don't move too quick. Who thinks everything's about them? I mean, like you have a problem and soon they start making your problem about them. We all, I mean, if you can't grab anybody else, we all know 70, 80-year-old politicians that still think everything's about them, right? Like every problem in the world somehow relates to them. Every news story is about them. Everything in the world is about them. And you know how obnoxious it is to be with somebody that at every moment, every moment they think the whole thing is about them. And you want to say to them, dude, everything ain't about you. Well, that's what I'm saying to you today. Your life... It's just too, it's too small. I mean, we know how things work out. We know the history of how things work out for people who even think for a moment that most of their life is about them. You know how it happens? They die before they ever get whatever they thought they would accomplish with their life done, and the people that are left behind don't ever think very highly of them. People who make every moment about them in their family. If there's a person who makes everything about them when they're gone, they never accomplished everything they thought they would that they could get the family to do. And they are quickly forgotten because, again, people finally can breathe. When everything's about you, you never get it done. And you're never remembered as well as you want to. You can't make this work. You can't make the time work out to get everything done. You run out of time before you ever accomplish everything you want to. And Moses sees it. Moses sees it, I think, standing on the edge of the promised land, which he will not enter. Moses sees it, finally. And he goes on in verse 10 of what you've already heard. He says, our days may come to 70 or 80 years for him, it was longer than that. He says, if our strength endures, yet the best of them, the best of our years that he's talking about, the best of our time are but trouble and sorrow, and they quickly pass, and then we fly away. He says, even if you get the best life and you live uh, sometimes, there's going to be some sorrow in the midst of it. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God's not involved. It doesn't mean that he's still not trying to work through you. But at the end of it, you come to the end of it, and it's still all over. So with that in mind, Moses, the fact that I'm going to have pain and sorrow in the midst of my life, and at the end of it, I just die, what am I supposed to do? I mean, we're not arguing with you. I'm not trying to say I know another way out of this planet. We've all seen enough people try to make life about themselves or try to make the family about themselves or try to make the marriage just about themselves. We don't want those people to lead us. We don't want them to marry our children. We don't want to work with them. We don't want to be involved with them. We're not trying to say that's a good thing. But at the same time, we don't know what you're up to, God, in this world. I can't see it in the midst of my circumstances, and I can't seem to fit my pain and sorrow and the struggle in my family into your purposes. So what do I do? And then Moses, with all of his wisdom, with all of his experience, he says, teach us. And now he's talking directly to God. This is a prayer. He says, God, teach us to number our days that we could gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us. God, this is something we don't really know how to do. Life just gets on top of us and it passes away. 
teach us to do this. Teach us to number our days. Literally, teach us to live our days as if they're numbered. That's what he says. Teach us to number like this, this day's done. It was number whatever in my life. And it'll never come back. Teach me to live that way. Because the truth is, my days are numbered. We know that. We don't like to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. And everybody in here, you, you know this. So God, in light of what's going on, teach me to live that way. Now, numbering our days, it's something you already know how to do. Because everybody in here has done it. Every teacher in this room just spent the last month of their life numbering their days. They just, on Friday, they're like, zero, baby. No children this week. We're done. And to give you teachers a break, students been numbering a lot longer than y'all. <laughs> they started numbering at spring break. Not many to go. If you've ever had a property closing, you know what it's like to number your days. I only got three more days to get all those papers they want. How am I going to ever sign that? How am I ever going to find all of that? You ever had a surgery? You ever had a big date out in front? So Moses says, God, we don't know the day of our death. We don't know what it is. And since we don't know the day of our death, we need to take every day, just count every day. Teach us to number our days knowing, I don't know if tomorrow's zero or today is zero. But my life to have any significance, I've got to fit it into your plan. He says, teach us to number her days so I can gain a heart of wisdom. God, I realize I won't make the kind of wise decisions that I need to make if I think I have unlimited time. God, I need to make better decisions knowing that every day is precious. I need to live with the knowledge that my days are numbered, and that drives everything toward living a wise kind of life. Instead of always saying, what time is it and how much time do I have left? What I need to be saying is, what am I doing with my time? Because I can't save it. I can't make more of it. What am I doing with it? Now listen, if uh, you think that's a depressing kind of thing that I'm trying to share with you, it's not. I'm not this is not a, oh, the end is near kind of message. It isn't. If you think that, this is why you run away from it. If you think that I'm saying, oh, you don't have very much time left and you just don't want to think about it, that's why you'll immediately go to, you know, you only live once, so go grab it. But if you'll embrace the fact that God gave you life, you couldn't make the first breath happen and you won't be able to make another one go when it's your last one. If you'll embrace the fact that God has given you life, he's given you time and he's given your life and he did it for a purpose in his bigger story that's going on in our world. The purpose is not you. It's not you. That's the key to bringing purpose to your few years of life. The purpose of your life, every one of us in this room, the purpose of your life is God. There's a grand story that's been being written for thousands and thousands of years by the great story writer. And you are not the main character. And neither am I. We are playing a part in his story. 
And I believe God's up to something in our generation and you're in the middle of it and you have a part to play. And when you miss it, you miss it. You just miss it. But the good news I have for you is it appears like all of you are still sucking air. It appears like you're still alive. It appears like he has given you one more day to breathe and to live. So I come to you today and say, God, would you teach us to number our days? Whatever it is, so we could gain a heart of wisdom and bring glory to you and not to us. Not to me, Lord. Not to these people. That's Moses' point. My life, your life, it's way too brief. My glory, it's way too small for my life to be about me. I'm gone in just a flash. I used to say, and then the funerals changed, I used to say to people, all of y'all will come to my funeral and cry and then go back to my house and eat potato salad and laugh. Because that's what we used to do. Now we just leave at the funeral home and laugh in the parking lot. But I'll be forgotten and so will you. My life is too short to be about me. But what you do in the great story of God, apparently it gets told because I'm talking to y'all about Moses today and he'd been dead a long time. But his story was in that context. So you can't make it about you, which is why every week when we come together, we invite you. You need to place your life in the context of God's community and God's people and his story he's writing in our lives so that we can build our lives together in the way that he wants us to, in the body of Christ, doing the work of Christ, in the cross-shaped life that Jesus has called us to. And I'm going to give you some time to do that before we end today. But I'm going to ask Jason if he would come and help us reflect on that this morning.